Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers may have lost to the White Sox, but don't despair, Dodger fans. Good times are coming ahead. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last decade or so, and it's my fifth season here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And I am your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, um... Big show going on today. We're going to talk a lot about the Dodgers and the NL West. We have Jeff Snyder from Locked on Dodgers. going to be a guest on the show later on. Uh, I want to just tell you there was a an answer to the trivia question that I realized there may be a caveat there. Uh, Craig Brindle answered the question, which was, who was the last player to be the pitcher the last pitcher to clinch a World Series who started the year in the minor leagues. Craig Brindle entered that it was Brad Lidge who began the 2008 season in Clearwater, basically on an injury rehab assignment. And I realized technically he's right, but Brad Lidge was there for injury reasons, not because he was demoted to the minor leagues. The answer I was going for was Bobby Jenks, and Bobby Jenks started the 2005 season in the minor leagues for the Chicago White Sox and finished the season as a bullpen closer. But I guess you're technically right, so I'm going to let it be. Hey, um, crazy games going on in baseball. The Cardinals are now, once again, the worst team in the National League as they lost the game to San Francisco, where Mike Yastrzemski hit a two-run home run with two outs in the ninth inning to tie the game. Giants rallied late, and they are the Cardinals are just in an absolute nosedive. And the Royals are worse. In fact, the Royals have are now the worst team in baseball in terms of percentage points. The A's winning streak came to a close as they lost to Tampa Bay. Maybe order is being restored to the universe, and it looks like they're going to get the funding for their stadium in Las Vegas. Sad, sad times there. But the A's are now percentage points ahead of Kansas City, who have dropped their last nine games and have almost single-handedly brought the Reds back into a playoff picture. Okay. And the Cardinals, and they lost. You Remember in the early to mid-2010s, 2011, the... Cardinals are in the World Series. 2013, the Cardinals are in the World Series. And then you had 2014, the Royals were in the World Series. 2015, the Royals were in the World Series. It was a great time to be a Missouri baseball fan. Well, now it stinks. 
the Royals and the Cardinals are the worst teams in their respective divisions. And um, I don't know what's going to happen with St. Louis. We're going to have a St. Louis themed show coming up later this week. JD's going to be a guest on the show, but wow, bad times going on in the state of Missouri. Uh, let's just do a quick uh, who owned baseball. Uh, Jose Barrios took a no hitter deep into the game. He allowed three hits in seven and two thirds innings as the Blue Jays topped the very good Baltimore Orioles three to one. Jake, uh, Michael, uh, Jake Berger homered twice to help the White Sox top the Dodgers eight to four. Michael Harris, the second, went four for four in the first game of a doubleheader sweep by Atlanta over Detroit. Ranger Suarez, am I pronouncing his first name right? Didn't allow a run for seven innings, setting up the Phillies' 4-3 victory over Arizona. Uh, lots of old-timers in get half-wobs. Uh, Garrett Cole's not an old-timer. He pitched very well, actually. Uh, he struck out eight and six innings. And the Yankees played well, but Nimmo walked it off in extra innings, 4-3. to three. And then comes the three old-timers. Miguel Cabrera, remember him? He got three hits in the Tigers' first game of their doubleheader sweep by Atlanta. Uh, Carlos Santana, homered and singled in the Pirates' 10-6 loss to the Cubbies. And there is Clayton Kershaw, one of the great Dodgers of all time, arguably the greatest Los Angeles Dodger of all time. He pitched well. He let up two runs in six innings, but the Dodgers were doubled up by the White Sox 8-4. to four. The Dodgers have are still a very good team this year, even though they are in second place. When we come back from this break, Jeff Snyder of Locked on Dodgers is joining the show, as I mentioned before. And we'll talk a little bit about their rotation issues, the addition of some young farmhands, and the types of moves they may have to do looking forward, and talk about their great competition, which happens to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. Hey, as promised, that's Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Paul. Wait, can I call you Sully? You can call me whatever you want. Hey, I got to tell you something. I, I can only see you from the waist up, but you look really comfortable. I bet from the waist down, you're feeling very comfortable right now. Oh, but especially when I'm wearing bird dogs. Uh, and the best part is I can feel comfortable and look nice because – Bird dogs are made to feel like you're wearing gym shorts, but look like you got all dressed up and actually put some thought into what you're wearing. They are, you know, not quite fancy, but they look great. And everybody who wears bird dogs, uh, I'll give you an example. My son, uh, my daughter graduated from high school a, a week or two ago. And uh, we told my son, 16 years old, that he needed to kind of dress up to go to the graduation. And he put on a polo shirt and his bird dog shorts. And let me tell you, he looked awesome it looked like he was dressed up and yet he was comfortable the whole time because they feel like gym shorts they're stretchy everywhere you want to be they're slim fitting and they look really really nice so if you haven't tried bird dogs yet I, i'm telling you you got to try it and if you go to birddogs.com slash locked on mlb and you enter promo code locked on mlb you will get a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on mlb for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you. Well, we are now bird dogging it with Jeff <laughs> Snyder of Locked On Dodgers. You know, going into this year, we knew that the Dodgers were going to have heavy competition from within their division. We knew that 
while the everyone, I think everyone in the world thought the Dodgers were going to be a quality team, there was this was not going to be a clear run to the division, and everyone knew it was going to be a dogfight back and forth. Nobody thought it was going to be with the Diamondbacks. Not even Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks, who I thought the Diamondbacks were going to be better, and I thought they were going to be a fringe wild card contender because they have good pitching. But I didn't expect them, as we're recording this on the 14th of June, to be having the best record in the National League right now. Yeah, when we when we did our NL West preview, you and Millard and I all agreed that the D-backs were going to have a good season, and they were going to finish mm-hmm. third in the division. And the pushback yeah. we got was from Ben from Locked On Giants about whether the Giants or the D-backs would finish third. And, uh, you know, there was part of me that wanted to pick the D-backs to finish second, but that was mostly to annoy Javi. Uh, right. You know, the, but I did expect the D-backs to be good. Yeah. Like you said, nobody expected them to, them to be this good. And I'm still interested to see how they can hold up because they're a young team and it's a long season. And so, you know, it, I, I wouldn't say it's easy to do what they've done, but uh, it's easier to do what they've done so far than to do it for a full 162. What I will say in response to that, and while I agree with you, uh, I thought, I think you and I, I thought this was going to be a fringe wildcard contender team. I thought there would be a mid 80 win team. I liked their pitching going into the season. Um, and I thought if, and I said, if some of the young bats clicked, then they would have had they would have decent pitching, decent hitting. Which, you know, when you Reese's peanut butter cup that together, uh, you wind up having a winning season. Um, you and I said the exact same thing about it being a long season. Let's see how it pans out about the 2021 San Francisco Giants. Now, granted, LA beat the Giants in the division series on a check swing thrown by Max Scherzer, but. Um, but you know the the Dodgers were a, they were both excellent teams. Obviously, the Dodgers won was it 106 games, and the yeah. Giants won 107 or whatever it was. They both won a lot, and the Dodgers were very very good. Obviously, um, I thought, and again, I, I I was rooting for the Giants because of my dad, but uh, I was stunned that the Giants were able to pull it off over 162 games. And I like this Diamondbacks team better than I like that Giants team in terms yeah. of the talent they have on it. I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, But we remember the outliers. There's probably 30 other teams mm-hmm. that we've said this about in the last decade. Well, we'll see if they can hold up over the course of a full season, and they didn't. And and so you know, we right. even forget which teams they were. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. we remember that the Giants were able to. Uh, and, and I'm not even saying the D-backs won't. I'm saying you know, there, there's so much. Like they haven't really dealt with any huge injury issues so far this year. You know, they, mm-hmm. they everybody's been pretty much healthy. No, no team's entirely healthy, but then pretty healthy. Uh, you know, they haven't they haven't dealt with a lot of adversity, and, and so when that adversity comes, and it almost always does, I'm interested to see how they react to it. You know, and, and if they can find you, you can do a lot on emotion uh, and what? and on youthful exuberance, but it's hard to maintain that for a full season. And you being a lifelong Dodger fan, I'm sure part of you is happy to see that one of the things that helped the Diamondbacks really uh, have a tremendous last month or so was DFAing Madison Bumgarner was basically hey, saying, you know, you know what you're, 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 and again, um, Madison Bumgarner gave my father a lot of happiness. So I'm not going to, I cannot trash him, but he was, that has to be one of the, most disastrous free agent signings in recent memories that he has just been 
I, I mean, I'm startled to see he went from being, you know, the the our answer to Bob Gibson in the postseason to being having a team literally say, "We will pay you to not play for us." Yeah, and, and the D-backs deserve a lot of credit for making that decision because it's not like they cut him loose like like last year the the Cubs cut Jason Hayward loose in the same situation the Cubs are now paying Jason Hayward to pay for play for the Dodgers it's that mm-hmm. same same situation you know to to cut a guy loose with over a year left on his deal right I mean, it's but yeah I mean when you look at the team the D-backs decided we want to be contenders this year and Madison Bumgarner makes us a worse team and so we we got to pay him either way. We'd rather pay him to not pitch for us than to pitch for us. Right, right. Well, okay. Let's get back to you talking. Uh, let's get back to the Dodgers. I talk enough about the Diamondbacks with Millard on the show every week. Um, the the Dodgers are having a good year. I mean, this is not like just because the, the D backs aren't in first place because this isn't a St. Louis Cardinals situation where the Pirates are in first because the the Cardinals are god awful this year. Dodgers are still a good team, especially when you consider the the rash of injuries that they've had. Now, to be fair, one of the positive things that's happened to the team this year is Kershaw's having another good year. I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna make anyone forget 2014, but he's having he's he's having a good year. He's had a couple of vintage Clayton Kershaw games this year. Yeah, Kershaw's been really good. He he was amazing in April, struggled in May. And now he's been good again so far in June. Uh, pitches. Uh, when's this one airing? This episode. Oh, this is going to be either airing on the 14th or the 15th. Oh, okay. So he's pitching tonight. We're recording on the 14th. I'm uh, heading out to Dodger Stadium here pretty soon after we're done recording to watch Kershaw pitch. Uh, yeah, and you know he's been very, very good. Uh, and the crazy thing is, he's been the only Dodger starter who's been healthy all year. Yeah, and. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have uh, put money on that being Kershaw's role on this day. Hey, he's going to be the healthy one because right. Kershaw, the, the last six, seven years, he's been great when he's been on the mound. He just hasn't been healthy very often and right. uh, hasn't pitched a full season in a long time. And, you know, he probably won't again this year. He'll probably have something come up. But mm-hmm. the fact is he's put himself in position to have a very realistic shot at getting to 3,000 strikeouts for his career this year, which didn't really look likely at the start of the season. And he's been their most consistent starter, both in terms of health and and performance. And, uh, yeah, he's he's really held things together because, like you said, the, the Dodgers pitching staff has been a little bit of a mess uh, between ineffectiveness and injury. Um, I will say when I went to a Dodger game on Mother's Day, and I believe that's when Tony Gonsolin pitched, and he was pitching against San Diego, and that's when the Dodgers finished the sweep of the Padres, and there were a lot of Padre fans there who looked shell-shocked, like, what's going on? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we bad? Wait, are we bad? And uh, But Gonsolin uh, was pitching like uh, an ace that day, and he's had a couple of games recently where he's been really terrific yeah gonson's got a 193 era so obviously he's been (laughs) very very good he did miss the first month or so maybe a little over a month of the season a freak sprained ankle in spring training delayed the start to the season and after missing most of the last month of last season because of an injury Uh uh it, it was, you know, there were questions like, okay, can we count on this guy? But, uh, you know, I, I said on Locked on Dodgers this morning, like, when he's on the mound, he's awesome. And he's now 30 yeah. and 7 in his career with an ERA in the low twos. It's like, you know, it, it's when he's pitching, he's awesome. And 
he doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he's got he's got secondary pitches that make his his fastball play up, and he's he pitches really really well, commands him well. That was the big knock on him early in his career was that he he wasn't throwing enough strikes, so he couldn't go deep in games, and he's gotten a lot better at that. You know, last night he six innings on 90 pitches, you know, obviously they could have run him out there for a seventh inning if they'd wanted to, but uh, they had a decent lead. They, they didn't. And so, you know, he has been very, very good when he's been on the mound and hopefully he can stay healthy because he's a key part of this rotation. And honestly, a, a, a rotation heading into the postseason headed up by Kershaw and Gonsolin. You know, that's, that's a pretty good starting point, especially when you think about the guy you're probably going to bring up next. All right. Well, I'm gonna. I will bring him up in just a second. I do want to just go through. Uh, is there's Bueller hasn't pitched this year yet, right? Is he going to pitch at all this year? Yeah, you know, he might. I'm not counting on him for anything. I'm definitely not counting on him as as a starter. I could picture right. him coming back in September and being built up enough to actually be a force out of the bullpen in the postseason. Yeah, definitely not thinking about him as a starter this year. He, I think okay. he is, but I'm not. Okay. Well, let's let's put uh, Bueller aside. Uh, whatever, basically. Either he'll be what Lincecum was to the 2012 Giants when they used him out of the pen, or anything you get out of him will be a bonus. Um, and by the way, when Bumgarner won the 2016 wildcard game, throwing a complete game shutout against the New York Mets, he was matched zero for zero by Noah Syndergaard, who I wonder if the Giants, sh- I'm sorry, the Dodgers should send on a similar fate that the Diamondbacks did with with uh Madison Bumgarner. Well, you know, they, they basically did. They put him on the injured list and said, Hey, uh, how's that finger? No, it's not. No, it's hurt. Go, go away. And, uh, you know, he's only signed for one year. There's no real point. As long as he's off the roster, yeah. uh, the active roster, there's no real point unless they end up needing that 40 man roster spot. And even then they could 60 day IL him. So I don't think they'll jettison him necessarily. I do right. think he, he's probably thrown his last pitch in a Dodger uniform though. Yeah, I, I, he's not been very good. I mean, again, may, may we all have his career. Um, but you like Dustin May, who got off to a good start. Is he is he out for the year or is he coming back? He's not out for the year yet. Uh, we don't really have any idea because you know mm-hmm. we know that his his arm injury wasn't it wasn't a recurrence that's going to need another Tommy John. But we also know he is coming back from Tommy John. They're going to be careful with him and. You never really know. I mean, Ryan Pepio was supposed to be in the starting rotation. He had an oblique injury, and he, they say he's still weeks away from even picking up a baseball. And so you never know how long these injuries are going to take. And so Dustin May, I have him in basically the same camp as I have Bueller. Of anything we get from him will be a bonus, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him pitching out of the bullpen in October. Um, and then Urias, who is on the 15-day injured list, he's coming back, right? He is. He he was actually supposed to pitch this last Sunday, but then That's in his thought. last in his last uh, bullpen session leading up to that, he felt something in his hamstring again, which is why he's on the injured list. And so they, mm-hmm. you know, abundance of caution, all of that, they shut him down again because I I do think the Dodgers are kind of taking the long view on this and saying, you know what, we need Julio in October. We need him healthy mm-hmm. and fresh, and so they're not going to rush him back, even though. The pitching ca- staff is in shambles right now. They, they're taking the long view, and I think that's the right approach. But, yeah, Julio will hopefully be back in the next couple weeks. We're here with Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers. A couple of episodes ago here on Locked On MLB, I was praising Bobby Miller. And 
every year when a team is a championship caliber team, or at least a, a playoff caliber team, there's always a contribution from somebody you are totally not expecting, someone who wasn't really on the radar to contribute for that year. And so far, Bobby Miller has been the player, at least for me. I don't I know I don't follow the team as closely as you do, but when you look at Syndergaard, Urias, Walker Bueller, Dustin May, all on the injured list at the same time. In comes Bobby Miller, who in his first four starts has pitched about as well as you could ask anybody to to pitch and has fit right in. He's only let up two runs in his first four starts combined and is, you know, striking out, uh, has a strikeout per inning. Only, and has a great strikeout-to-walk ratio, great ERA. They've been winning his games, and he has been exactly, literally what the doctor has ordered with this Dodger team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I do think we Dodger fans were expecting him this year and expecting him to be really good. We, we were a little bit surprised that he never got a call-up last year because mm-hmm. he was – He's been a top prospect. He throws 100 miles an hour. They drafted him in 2020 during COVID, and they sent him straight to the uh, the alternate site. And so he got immediate uh, interactions with big leaguers and and top minor leaguers at the at the alternate site, and then pitched well in 2021. Pitched well last year, uh, and so we definitely knew Bobby Miller was coming at some point this year, and we knew it was going to come down to okay, when are they going to need him because of injuries? Because they had a full staff coming into the season, but we knew okay guys get hurt guys are ineffective Bob Miller's going to get a shot and we didn't necessarily expect it to be quite as early in the season as it ended up being and we hoped he would be as good as he's been but I obviously none of us would have with a straight face predicted two runs in his first four starts and going six innings and three of the four starts and and just you know he's been dominant Uh, but he's got four Mm -hmm. pitches one of them was a hundred mile an hour fastball and baseball prospectus said last offseason that his 100-mile-an-hour fastball might be his fourth-best pitch. And I, I think they were probably wrong about that, I th- but I do think he's got some secondary stuff that is really, really good. And so he's got three elite pitches and one solid pitch. And uh, it, it, it's almost hard to not be successful when you have the stuff that Bobby Miller has. Here's one reason why, again, I, I, am, I have good feelings about L.A. if they get, you know, when they get to October – if a couple things are in their favor, you got Kershaw and Gonsolin. You're if so, you know, if, if you have Urias back and Bobby Miller's pitching reasonably well, one, two, three, four in your starting rotation right there. If you have the Buellers and the Gratterals and the you know who else? You got Victor Gonzalez. You got Evan Phillips. Uh, yeah, Caleb Ferguson. If you have a bunch of those, you don't need to make a big honking giant mega trade for the pitching depth that you need. Now, um, Lindsay have locked on uh, MLB prospects, and I were saying that the Dodgers might be if Cleveland is indeed going to put Bieber on the trade block. LA has the pieces to pull off a deal like that and not totally destroy their farm system. Um, if you add a Bieber to this rotation and everyone else moves a step down, suddenly, uh, this looks like absolutely the team to beat. Do you, would you be, uh, in favor of the Dodgers trying to make the big splash move or to make the, 
you know, the the find if there's another Shelby Miller out there and 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 tinker it like as we're doing it to an eBay Motors read. Uh, I am in favor of both. I do think the Dodgers are going to uh, look at the big splash. I'm not sure that that not Justin Bieber. What's his name? Uh, Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber is is very different person. I'm not sure that he is the splash move. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm not sold on Bieber right now with looking at his underlying numbers and stuff. I'm a little bit concerned about, about him. Uh, but, you know, if Corbin Burns becomes available, if Shohei Otani becomes available, you know, uh, I expect if there is a splash to be made, I expect the Dodgers to be in on being the team to make that splash because they do have a loaded farm system. What you laughing you about, ma- Sully? I'm, I'm laughing about the idea of the Otani trade happening. That just to yeah. me is, oh man, uh, that just would be just fold, just fold the, you know, then just move the angels to Vegas, you know, just have everyone <laughs> just go to Vegas. Have that be the punishment or have them go to Oakland, you know, just, 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 it'd be just a disaster. Angels um, could share the stadium in Vegas. I'm taking a look at their lineup as a, a lifelong, as a native New Englander and a lifelong Red Sox fan. I just shake my head and said, why can't the Red Sox find players like Mookie Betts and JD Martinez? It's hard, uh, it would know. be it really hard. You got to look. Yeah. Boy, J.D. Martinez, talk about a move that was relatively under the radar that has really paid dividends in the power department, certainly in the OPS department. Um, you know, I he hit a home run when I went to a game. Both J.D. and Mookie Betts hit homers in the games that I went to this year, which was really – you know, it's basically like you wanted to win the 2018 World Series, and now you're bringing in the people who won it. Um, it's uh, it's absolutely surreal. But uh, th- what do you think about their their lineup, and what and what do you think they need to do moving forward to fill the patch up what needs to be done there? You know, offensively they've been really, really good, and, and it's not a perfect lineup. You know, James Outman had a great first month. He's been struggling lately. Uh, you know, they have. Miguel Rojas has been basically a black hole of offense at shortstop and mm-hmm. playing good defense, but to the point where they do have Mookie Betts playing shortstop sometimes, Chris Taylor playing shortstop sometimes. Uh, you know, they when they when they acquired Miguel Rojas, they expected Gavin Lux to be the starting shortstop, and then he got hurt during spring training, and so that has definitely hurt them. But overall, you know, they're they're right at the top of the league in runs scored. They are the the offense has held things together while this pitching has really, really struggled. And so it's, you know, I, I think they'll look for ways to improve, but I, there's not any super obvious ways. Cause even like, I mean, you mentioned JD, JD Martinez has been great, even better than they could have hoped for. Jason Hayward has been very, very good. David Peralta the last month and a half has been awesome. Yeah. And uh, you know, so they've got, they have guys who are hitting, I, I think for the Dodgers, a lot offensively, as the season goes on, it's going to be more about making those hard decisions about, okay, how long a leash do we give James Outman? You know, and I mm-hmm. think as long as they're scoring five, six, seven, eight runs a game, they're going to keep giving Outman leash because Outman has a ton of talent. And so yeah. if he can recapture what he had in April, you know, they're a better team. And so I think they're going to give him as many opportunities as they can. Rojas even has shown signs. He's hit the ball hard at times. He's uh, not striking out much. So he's, he's got a BABIP. I I don't know exactly what it is right now, but I think it's, you know, well under 200 and, and that's probably not sustainable. He's probably just going to, just by his luck evening out, he's going to hit better. Uh, Not, he's not going to be a a great hitter, but he's going to hit better. And so, you know, they, 
it's going to be interesting because last year they had the luxury of we are running away with the division. We don't really need to. We can give guys as much time as they need to figure things out. And this year they are going to be pushed in the division. And so as long as the top four, you know, you got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Will Smith and J.D. Martinez, all four of them have OPSs of around 900 or better. Yeah. As, as long as they keep hitting, the offense is going to be fine and they can let other guys try to figure it out. But, you know, that that's not necessarily a guarantee. Those guys are going to slump too. Well, and the other thing is that it allows you to have someone like someone like a Max Muncy who is hitting a ton of home runs. He's not having a good year across the board offensively, but some of the players are having such a great year that you could almost afford to have Max be that low, you know, lower in the lineup and like, well, you know, if he gets a hold of one, great. And if not, we got, you know, Mookie and Freddie are coming up. Freddie Freeman. Look at, we all knew Freddie Freeman was a wonderful player when he was with Atlanta. Obviously we know that, but Holy Toledo, this has been two years into this signing. Um, this has been paying dividends. I mean, he is, I mean, right now, as of this recording, he leads the league in total bases, has an OPS that's approaching a thousand, and he is doing everything offensively that you could ask for him at this point. Yeah, Freddie's ridiculous. Yeah, and like you said, and maybe we just maybe Braves fans knew all along. Maybe this is who Freddie's always been. But I, I feel like he's taken a step forward since coming to the Dodgers and being like, okay, I was a great hitter. Now I'm just kind of the best hitter. And it's, you know, finishing second in the MVP voting in his first year back and or fourth in the MVP voting, second best hitter in the league last year. You know, Machado and Arenado stuck ahead of him in the MVP voting because they provide more defensive value. But as far as hitting goes, Freddie is there's not it's many MVP. guys you would. Yeah, you would not many guys you'd rather have at the plate when you need something good to happen than Freddie Freeman. Right now, I think, I mean, if I had to pick an MVP right now, and for what I understand, these two didn't necessarily like each other, it would be either Acuna or Freddie Freeman. Um, But, you know, he comes in, you know, I don't know, maybe for him, he arrived, he has a World Series ring on his finger. Um, If he ever, if he ever goes to the Hall of Fame, he knows he's going to have his number retired in Atlanta. He's back home in California has so much money, his great-great-grandchildren go, can go to law school. Um, you know, maybe part of them is sort of, hey, maybe I'll just be a multimillionaire in L.A. Yeah, you know, it, it's whatever it is, he's he seems happy. And, and, you know, that wasn't necessarily the case the first month or so that he was with the Dodgers. Obviously, he was happy where he was, but there was still some of that lingering sadness well, about leaving yeah. Atlanta. I think he's moved past that, and he is just – you know, he and Mookie Betts have become best friends. It's kind of funny. Last year they became best friends, and then the Dodgers went out and got both of their actual best friends. They brought in Jason Hayward and JD Martinez. It's like, hey guys, let, let's increase the circle of best friendage. And yeah, and it, that that is a pretty darn productive circle of best friendage. And let me just say one last thing: with all the injuries they've had, and the ups and downs of their of the some of the people who've been uh, inconsistent in the lineup and the decimation of some of their aces, they're still on pace to win like 91, 92 games as, as of now. You know, it's, this is still a team that's very good, even with all that strife. Yeah, that's with them playing really, really poorly the last week and a half. They're still on pace right. for 90-something wins. And, and that was kind of my point when we were talking about the D-backs. The D-backs, everything is kind of gone. They, they're playing, I feel like they're playing at their peak right now. And right. the Dodgers are playing well below what they're capable of. 
know, doesn't mean the Dodgers will get to what they're capable of, but I do think talent wise, I, I, I would still, I, I think if I was an impartial observer, I don't know what that would be like, but I think I would still expect the Dodgers to win this division because they have a ton of talent and are really, really good. And even the guys who haven't performed well, most of them you would expect to get better. Okay. Just the last thing I'm going to go here. Uh, I have my computer, my, my, my trusty calculator out here. Um, the D backs as of this recording are playing to a six twelve winning percentage, which means they'd be on pace to win 99 games. Okay. If they finish the season with 87 wins, a winning season and being one of the wild card teams, every single Diamondback fan in the world would have taken that. In other words, if they continue to play and fall 12 games off the pace that they're currently playing, it would still shatter everyone's expectations. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, they could, I mean, things tend to even out the way we're expecting to. The 2021 Giants, of course, being an outlier. Um, because that team was weird because every ball dumped in that sh- they, they were not a 107 win team. And the next year they went even 81 and 81. I said, they're better than 500, but they're not 107 win. They're probably like an 88 win team that all the balls just happen to drop and fall in, in 2021. And they were caught in 2022, you know, almost, yeah. the, you know, almost the same level quality team. Yeah, but but the wins that the D-backs have already won, this they count, you know, and they are they're big, they've banked those. I think right now, if they end up winning eighty-seven games, most D-backs fans would be disappointed because of where we're at right now. I think they, if you could tell them from six months ago they were going to win eighty-seven games and make the postseason, they'd be thrilled. But the, I think their expectations have been raised, and I do think eighty-seven is unlikely. I, I think the D-backs are going to win 90-something games this year just because of where they're starting from. They have this head start now. And so even if they – I mean, if they played 500 right now, what are they? They're 15 games over 500 right now. So if they played 500 the rest of the season, that's 80, 88, 89 wins. You know? And so chances are they're going to win 90-something games. And if they win 99, they probably win the division because the Dodgers are probably going to be 95, 96 wins somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, and, and so, yeah, the D-backs have a chance, uh, but I do think, you know, it's probably Dodgers win the division with 96 wins and, and the D-backs or the Dodgers win with 96 wins and the D-backs finish in second with like 93 wins or something like that. All right. Now let's, before we end today, we got to do a trivia question. Now you okay. don't answer Jeff. This is for the, or you can answer it off the air, but uh, first person to send me the correct answer at Sully Baseball on Twitter or in the comments below here on YouTube or on Instagram or wherever, you'll get a shout-out in the next show. And that's to do with Hall of Famer Jim Tomei. Hall of Famer Jim Tomei played for 22 seasons. He played for Cleveland, for the Phillies, for the White Sox, for the Twins, for the Dodgers, and for the Orioles. And of those six teams... He played in the postseason with all of those teams except one. Who is the only team that Jim Tomei played for that he didn't play in the postseason with? Cleveland, Philadelphia, White Sox, Minnesota, Dodgers, and Baltimore. Send me the answer at Sully Baseball or here on or wherever you know where to get me, Sully Baseball on uh, Twitter, Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter, on Instagram, or down here in the YouTube page. Jeff Snyder, where can people follow your show? 
so it's locked on Dodgers. You can get it wherever you get podcasts. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it on the Sirius XM, the SXM app. Search for Locked On Dodgers, and you can get me over on Twitter at Snydog. And uh, don't don't tweet me the answer to the trivia question though, because I'm not shouting you out. All right, now we're talking. And hey, thanks so much for listening. That he is Jeff Snyder. He is the great host of Locked On Dodgers. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. I'm the host of this show, and you can call me Sully. <laughs>